Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Ms. Fitnation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. Daughters of Green Mountain Gap weaves a compelling tale of Maggie, Carrie Ann, and Josie May, three generations of remarkable North Carolina women living at the turn of the 20th century, shedding light on racism, fear of change, loss of traditions, and the intricate dynamics within a family. Author Terry M. Brown skillfully navigates the complexities of their lives, revealing that some questions are not as easy to answer as one might think. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back 
to the Misfit Nation. Again, I'm coming to you live from the Pacific Northwest where the winds are high today. Rain is coming down. Snow's coming in the next couple of days, and you still can't get bags at Walmart. Our next guest really doesn't need an introduction on our show, but I will for those who are new. This is our third, third year in a row launching one of her great works. She was born in Athens, Greece as Air Force brat. She now calls the North Carolina coast home where she is now sitting through storms today. She had the worst of it through, thank God. In 2020, her husband, uh, Bruce, rode a tandem bicycle across the United States from Astoria, Oregon to Washington, D.C., successfully raising money for Toys for Top. Her debut novel, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, is a historical fiction set in Ukraine. Her second book, An Enemy Like Me, set in World War II. And her third, and the one we're going to talk about today, Daughters of the Green Mountain Gap is a generational story about Appalachian healers. So without further ado, let's welcome author Terry M. Brown back to the Misfit Nation. Welcome back, Terry. Hey, Rich. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I mean, we, we just seen each other about a week and a half ago. Yeah. But the audience, the audience has not seen you in about a year since the last time we were live together when we talked about uh, An Enemy Like Me, which was a great novel. And then Thanks. you got... a Every October, you write me with a new gift to show me your, your new your new work and when it's coming out. And I get all pumped up and excited. This one is Daughters of Green Mountain Gap. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little more about what you've done since the last time you were here and how you came about this idea. So what have I done? Well, I, I wrote another <laughs> book. I've actually started writing my next one. Um, I started a podcast, which you know because you were on my podcast so your your episode will be coming out shortly on mine um yeah i'm taking care of my husband um for those who remember i probably talked about it that that he's ill he has brain cancer and so you know we're still doing that whole brain cancer journey um and then like where did the book come from so everyone's gonna get a really good laugh out of where this book came from because it came because i had a wart on my thumb and I tell people that I can I can pull a story out of just about anything. But I had this wart on my thumb. I went to find primary care doctor, not for the wart, just for a regular checkup. And while there, I said, oh, by the way, I have this wart. Can you like get it off for me? And she said, no. Oh, you yeah. would have to see a specialist. And I thought, what? It's a wart. Okay, but nope, she was going to send me to a specialist. And so I went to the, you know, the local CVS and got a little patch. And that was the end of that. Well, I, a couple weeks later, I'm talking to my brother on the phone. And he and I were complaining about our primary care doctors and how anymore they don't do anything. They, they pretty much just broker you off to, you know, a specialist. They, they do very little in the office. And I told him about my wart. And he said to me, why didn't you get someone to talk it off? And I said, what? What? <laughs> what? And so you have to understand, in my family, I am the gullible one. And I'm often told stories that are not true. I believe them, hook, line, and sinker. And then for years, I have to hear the story at Christmas time. You remember that time that Terry fell for the whatever? <laughs> so I wasn't falling for it. And I just kind of, yeah, whatever. But when we got off the phone, I thought, I've got to know. I've got to know. Is this true or not? So I type in talk off warts because I'm like, I'm Google mom. I'm research junkie. 
there are people who talk off warts. They literally will hold your hand and talk to the wart. And within a week, the wart goes away. Some people actually will buy your wart. They'll give you a penny and you give them your wart and the wart will fall off within a week. So, of course, I had to keep digging because it was like, what other weird stuff is out there? And little by little, I started finding out about a lot of people who have... Magical is the only word I can come up with, but it isn't really magic. It's, it's this, it's like they believe that they have this ability to heal and the people they're healing believe that they have the ability to heal and they're healed. And they do things like get rid of thrush. Like if you have that infection in your mouth, they can blow in your mouth and the thrush disappears. Or you can have a breech baby and they'll talk to the baby and poof, the baby turns over and and is in the right position. The weirdest things. And that led me to the Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina. Um, The healers were called granny women. And bam, I knew that's what my story was going to be. And Maggie was born and her name became Maggie immediately in my head. And she just started talking to me. And before long, I had another book. (laughs) But it all started because I had a wart and my primary care doctor wouldn't take care of it. So. Wow. <laughs> and sometimes it takes a, a left, uh, I guess, left hook or a <laughs> U-turn like that to get things going. In that. Right. That's but I, but I tell people, of. yeah, I tell people all the time that, you know, I think that people are under the impression that in order to be a storyteller, that you have to have seen something amazing or done something incredible or that you you have to look and find the most like intense crazy thing out there and the truth is is that there are stories literally everywhere they're they're under every rock and every shell and around every corner and you just have to kind of be open open to that idea to be to look at something that's rather normal and then say what if or what would have happened if that had been 100 years ago? Or what would that look like 200 years from now? Or, you know, what would that look like if someone didn't, didn't believe in whatever? Or, and, and bam, the stories start. <laughs> so you said it was easy to come up with. And then you have uh, Carrie, Carrie Ann and Josie May. Right. The character development there, I'm sure that came from researching and finding out more uh, actual brandy healers and maybe their families within North, North Carolina, the Appalachian. Well, the Appalachian Mountains go way up the, the coast to, I think, Maine. Right. End. But was it uh, like combinations of people that you found out about during your research or you just figured out to hone in on these three? So they're not three real people. They're definitely, you know, imaginary, but they represent what would have been happening in that time period. So in the 1890s, especially in Appalachian Mountains of North Carolina, it's not like a big highway went running through there and everybody knew where they were. These people were very cut off from society. But there were traders that came through. There were people, they did get some information. Some of the, the bigger towns like Asheville uh, would have a doctor as opposed to a granny woman. And so they were starting to understand that there was some more modern medicine in, 
in that period of time. So we have Maggie, who is the traditional granny woman, roots and herbs and, and, and all of her little, you know, spooky talk and the things that she does in order to get people to, to be well. And her daughter, who thinks her, her mother's nuts and says, you know, we now have people like Florence Nightingale out there. Mom, why are you still doing what you're doing? And so she very much is trying to bring this idea of the modern medicine to her community. And then Josie May, so Carrie Ann's daughter, Maggie's granddaughter, looks at both of them. And what she sees is what neither one of them can see, which is... They both have some really, really good points, and yet both of them lose patience. You know, there isn't, there's nothing that's perfect, right? It's not like granny woman is perfect or modern medicine is perfect. Both grandma and mom lose patience. And so she, she doesn't really know which way she's supposed to go. She feels like she's called to heal, but who does she follow? And, and how does she get her mom and her grandmother to kind of, like come to some kind of terms with each other. So that's kind of where the book goes. And that can happen in any generation gap of any year. Because you have mom, grandma, and daughter, and three generations seeing things differently through their eyes. And you can go to to today and say, like, my dad in technology, then us in technology, and then our kids in technology. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you look at, right, you look at my mom. My mom is 81. And when she got her cell phone a few years ago, it was the funniest thing you've ever seen in the world. She called me up on it and she's yelling. Okay. Terry, I'm on a cell phone. And it's like, I get it, mom. Honest, you don't have to yell. (laughs) She wanted to know if I would call her. She was trying to make sure she she lives close to Fort Liberty and doesn't have a lot of cell service. There's a lot of weird little places because they can't put the cell towers in and things so would i call her and make sure that she was getting good signals so i call her she has an answer so i called her on her home phone and she said i pushed that button and pushed that button and it was mom you have to swipe it you have to swipe what What? okay (laughs) put your finger on it move it to the side i'm gonna try again so i try again now i can hear her and she can't hear me and i hear what terry hello (laughs) Hello. So I'm now laughing because I know what's going on. I call her back on the home phone and I said, where was the phone? She said, what do you mean? I said, where did you have the phone? What was in my lap? And I said, is that where you put a phone normally is in your lap? I said, you couldn't hear me because you didn't have the earpiece to your ear. And she was like, oh, right. So there's that. Then there's me. And I think I'm doing really, really well. Okay, then you hand it to my teenage grandkids. (laughs) I don't know anything. It's like the number of times that I've handed my phone to them and said, just fix it. Just just fix this. Like, I don't know what you're right. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's not doing. I don't know where. Just just fix that. And my little grandchildren who are. I mean, I've got a two year old who can grab my phone from me and swipe and jump into apps and and he the next thing you know he's in youtube he's found kids stations it's like i don't even know how he's he doesn't read he just (laughs) (laughs) so yeah right so there is that idea and i that's why i love a good generational story is because it gives you three very different viewpoints 
and you don't have to create a reason for them to be different. You know, if you have three people the same age, you have to, the story has to tell you why they're seeing things so differently. Right. But when there's different age groups, it's apparent why they see things so differently. Yes. Right? My brother my brother chimed in right away when you were talking about the phone and said it sounds like our dad. He's <laughs> the same way. He's, yeah. he's 83, so it's the same age group. And, same, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we tried to get him a smartphone or ARP gave him one or something. And he said, this isn't going to work. So he's still on a flip phone and yeah. he'll call on it. He doesn't know how to text or anything. He doesn't know how to take pictures with it. It's just a device to talk on. That's it. Well, my mom yeah. turns hers off when she's not using it. We could just that to you. I said, have you ever turned off your home phone? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nothing we, else to we, say <laughs> we got him an ipad so he can talk to it and uh, dictate his life to it uh -huh. i went up there and he tries my brother tries to help him i went up there and it's like just laying in the closet because it was in the way it was the normal. Okay. my my dad had a laptop in the living room and then the desktop was in the office and I said something to him. He had something on his email that he wanted to pull up. And I said, well, come on into the office. It's the screen is bigger and, and I'll help you with it. He said, Oh no, 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 you can't get it in there. You can only get my email on the laptop. <laughs> said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, you can only get it here. We have, the, the, the one in there, it does whatever it was that it did. And this one is the one. And it just made me laugh because he honestly believed that his email could only be gotten on one device. <laughs> Outstanding. Yep. <laughs> no so, multi-purpose. No, multi no, no. You know, if you've got this one set up for email, there is no, you can't get it anywhere else. So, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's so, but it is that, it is that idea, that idea that, Whatever you've grown up with is what you're used to. I, I tell people about, like, when I was growing up, my grandparents would talk about the Depression. And I would think, oh, my goodness. How many more times do I have to hear about saving the tinfoil and washing? <laughs> the, you know, like, I was, I thought, that we're so past this. Why are we still talking about it, Right. I wasn't a horrible teenager. I just didn't see, like, why are we still talking about this? That's what my grandkids are going to say when I bring up 9-11. Yeah. And, and I realized that. And that's, like I said, there's, that's why I love a good generational story. Because it really allows you to explore a topic from a lot of different angles. Just because people have such different life experiences or are relatively no experience yet you know and they just right. see the they see life for what they see it and and it's like that's old news why are we even talking about it right and, and in the in the story josie may is the one looking at grandma and mom saying i love grandma i love her stories of all this stuff and, and right. there's mom wanting to introduce other stuff i love too why become that new person new new yeah. idea person in the middle so. right and and really isn't that what the younger generations do don't right. they often look and, and pick, they get to, you know, like I grew up in a certain way and I had what I had to choose from. And then 
the younger generation, they can now choose from things from mom's generation and my generation and their own generation. They get that chance to take something that was new to us and change it to fit, you know, their life. The number of times that, that people have said to me, you know, there's an app for that. And I've thought, I'll bet there is. I mean, I never, I don't think that first. Right. You know, I get out my, my notebook and I start creating, you know, like a graph and I'm, you know, making, and people are like, you know, there's an app for that. <laughs> yeah, there, I'm Thank sure you. there is. Thank you. You're probably, you're, there are probably a hundred apps for that, aren't there? But it's not what comes to my mind first because I didn't grow up with an app. Right. Right. I grew up with a notebook. And, yeah. Right. And so I think it's it's just interesting how different generations really do view different, see the same, very same thing from such a yeah. different perspective. You know, like I said, I like a good generational story. So <laughs> see, my brother just said the Google finds everything for you now. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Doctor, I call true. it Dr. Google. Dr. Google can find anything for you. Yeah. As, as I do my research for my doctorate, the first place I go with Google, and then yeah. I go to like Google Scholar or to the school library to see if it's real, because sometimes right. things on Google are not really real good sources. But there's good stories, but not good sources. <laughs> right, right. Um, that's another thing that I had to explain to my mom. Um, she, she has it now, but for the longest time, she'd say, oh, no, I saw it on the Internet. <laughs> okay mom i can put anything on the internet today right yes. now like i can put anything i could right now i could say something about you that is completely untrue and i could put it on the internet that other people could find She's, no you couldn't mm, i could right now at this very moment so so can everyone else yes you know so I, just I because it's on the, yes just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it doesn't mean a thing you have to to now you found it on the internet now can you find other sources that are like real sources you know right. like the kind that you used to have to do term papers over sources can you find those <laughs> the ones you used to walk up to the library in your town yes. and actually sit down and read and through the Dewey Decimal System and figure out where a book was, and remember the numbers by the time you got to the shelf. And not yeah, 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 the little pieces, the little tiny pieces of paper and the little tiny pencils that were always yes. to a nub and you never had enough lead in them and you had to hold them just right to scratch your number out on the piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then we walked up up uphill both ways to school in the and snow and <laughs> Six miles, six miles uphill, six both miles ways. Uphill, both ways, yeah. But you lived in the valley, yeah. But it was uphill both ways. Uphill both ways. Trust mm -hmm. me on this. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jake, a resident redneck, who usually uh, go travel with all the time. I use my my phone usually for directions, and I call my my phone app Suki from the Fast and Furious, Too Fast Too Furious, the the female driver, and she gets us lost every time. Every single time we put an address in there, she either get us lost or put us on tiny road in the biggest truck we could possibly have and try to kill us. Yeah. Yeah. So when my husband and I rode across the United States on the tandem bicycle, we, you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And so you are using GPS and whatever. And I got to the point where Google maps, like they're dead to me. I am so sorry, but the number of times that we would be in the middle of freaking nowhere and the road would literally end 
And you'd talk to someone in town and they'd go, oh, yeah, they were going to put that road in five years ago and it just never went through. And did it. And it's like, <laughs> or you would think you were on a really good road and all of a sudden it turns to dirt and gravel and that's what it's going to be the next eight miles. And there isn't any way around it. And it's like, really, this is the road you chose to bring me on? Yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, if you go back and look at the blog, I kept a blog the whole way across. And I do believe that, that one of my blog titles was Google Maps is dead to me. Well, Suki keeps it. I guess she keeps me on my toes. Uh, yeah. I keep her with yep. us. Keep her with us at all times. She hasn't got lost here much yet. <laughs> yet. So as we, we, this is book three in our, in our library of uh, Terry Brown, and uh, I know you're already on your next one. I know I can feel it just looking at you. I can feel that. I can see the engine running. Where are we going next? So. No one's people have trouble believing this because I've done three historical fiction, right? All of them have multiple points of view, um, dual timeline, past tense. This one is this, this one is a contemporary humor, one person, present tense, totally different from anything. But I've had a character in my head for years. Um, I don't know how many of your audience would know this book, but when I was growing up, there was a book called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom, And all the, all the prepubescent girls read it. And it was all about things like, you know, when am I going to get boobs? You know, those, that, that whole thing, right? Well, in my, sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that online, but anyway, you've all heard the word. I, um, (laughs) I, you know what they are. Yeah. You know what they are. Okay. I had this thought one day, like I said, the smallest things can bring a story to my mind. And I thought, I wonder whatever happened to Margaret, right? She, the last time I saw her, she was 12. And I, you know, I wonder whatever happened to Margaret. And all of a sudden it was like, her name's Peg and she's going through menopause. So from 12 to menopause, wow. 12 to menopause. And so I'm writing her story and it's, it's funny. It's very tongue in cheek. It's, she forgets where her glasses are and they're sitting on top of her head and, and she's gaining weight and, and she's, you know, got what, what. Uh, older women called the bingo arm wings, you know, when they raise their hand and then this part starts to, to sling around and, you know, all of the, all of the things, the hot flashes and all of the stuff, but it's done in a very tongue in cheek, funny way. And we just follow her along. And every woman that I have brought this up to laughs without me having to give any explanation other than I'm writing about Peg and she's going through menopause. And they all just start to laugh. And it's like, it's going to be a great book. <laughs> it's going to bring joy to a lot of people. Especially well, those who had, had to read this book. Uh, yeah, uh, seriously. No, I just yeah. think that that I think it's a different story. It's very different. But for me as an author, I think what I love about it is it is really testing me. Because it's one point of view instead of three. It's present tense instead of past tense. It's It's humor. Uh, contemporary instead of history. There's a lot of really different factors in this book. And I feel like it's almost testing me. Like, can I 
can I do this? Can I switch up a genre enough that I'm still me and I'm still writing characters that are characters are important to me? Am I still getting that across? But can I can I be more who I am in real life? Because right. in real life, I tend to be funny and I tend to, to be kind of tongue in cheek and a little bit sarcastic and those kinds of things. And can I do that? in this novel. I don't think it's going to be a genre I stick to. I don't think it's going to, I doubt that I'm going to write hundreds in this, in this particular, but it just felt like a challenge. And, you know, I love a good challenge. So who knows? Sometimes that's all the fuel you need is a challenge to do something. And this this is like you said, it's going outside of your norm, your wheelhouse to come back in and, and write something totally a different way, a different style. And keep your audience engaged. So it's going to be yes. awesome. To yeah. And I, I think that for me too, you know, I'm still a relatively new author. You know, my first book came out just two years ago. So in January of 2022, and then I had one in 23 and now I have my third one out right now. And so in the scheme of things, I'm, I'm a new author. I'm still, you know, young and don't know what I'm doing. So it's almost like taking a, a class you know, okay, this is what you're used to. We're going to throw you in sideways and see if you can do it this way. And and I'm, I'm learning things about my craft because I have to. Whereas maybe writing another historical fiction with three points of view and generational, it that's getting easy, not easy. That's the wrong word, but it's getting comfortable. That's the right yeah. word. It's getting comfortable. I know... I know the process. I know what I need to do next. I know, I know where it's going. I, I know where the, the conflicts are going to come from. And doing right. this, I don't know any of those things. And so I'm kind of having to learn as I go and I'm enjoying it. Who knows if it will go anywhere? I mean, the next time you talk to me, I could tell you that I've written another historical fiction and, and Peg is on the back burner because it just didn't go anywhere. But that's what I'm working Peg's on at the moment anyway. Yeah. Peg still has menopause. She'll be all right. She'll be all right. It'll, it's going to go on and on. <laughs> so I know the, the actual release date for Daughters of the Green Mountain Gap is what, weeks? January 23rd, 23rd yeah. right? Are you going to do a a book tour, a local tour, or anything like that to promote it or just podcast? I'm having um, my launch party on the 18th. So that's a little local event. And then what I'm really doing is more of an online tour. So you're part of that where I'm putting things out there. I'm calling it my launch tour. And every day I'm throwing something out there on the internet letting people know, hey, somebody reviewed it, somebody talked about it, someone had me on their podcast, someone, you know, interviewed me and, and, and wrote it up in a blog or whatever. And so I'm just trying to create a little bit of buzz that way. And then I've got some local venues, um, libraries close by and things like that, that have invited me. So it's good. Even though you call yourself the new new author, you're still, you're taking all the right steps to make it, make it grow and, and keep your brand out there and your name out there. And of course, well, that's your great works. Well, and that's what I'm trying. And, you know, when people ask me, like, what would you tell a new author? You know, first I talk about the writing, but then I quickly switch into you have to be willing to go out there and and talk about your book and tell people that you have a book and tell people not only do I have a book, but it's a good book and you should read it. 
You know, you have to be able to say that. If you cannot hold up your book and say, I have a good book, nobody else is going to say it for you. You know, um, and one of the things that I said one time, and I had people kind of look like this, I said, if you're not willing to dance on the table naked with your book, nobody's going to. And you just have to have that ability to, to first of all, believe in yourself and believe in yourself enough that you will say to other people, I have a book, you should read it. Exactly. You can't be an introvert and have a, a lot of authors are introverted. They are. Just, they are. They, but when it comes out, you have to kind of break that barrier and become the, I guess, ex introverted extrovert at that time. Right. Well, and, and even if, even if you can't, you know, I'm a people person, so I don't have any problem like, you know, laughing and joking, even if that's not your style, you still have to be able to say out loud, I have a book. It's good. You should read it. Whatever right. style that's in, whether it's big and bold with a neon sign around your head or not, you've got to be able to talk about the fact because no one's going to find it accidentally. You've got right. a book on Amazon. How many books are out there on Amazon? Probably millions by now. It's millions, right? And yeah. so what is the likelihood that anyone is going to accidentally bump into your book? It's slim and none, I believe. Slim and none, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, yes. And so, you know, if you're not willing to do things like get on a podcast, have somebody interview you, ask for a review, um, talk to people who have blogs and say, hey, would you review my book? I'll give you a copy of it if you'll review it. You know, like right. if you're not if you're not willing to do those things, yes, you can be an author and yes, you can be published. But when you bring out your next book, you're going to be in the exact same spot. Right. So when I brought out Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, I knew nothing about publishing. I I got the book published and I sat in front of the computer and waited for it to sell, was sorely disappointed and realized that I needed a new strategy very quickly. At that time, so two years ago, I had nobody on my newsletter list. As of this afternoon, I have almost 1,800 people on my newsletter list. Beautiful. That's a big difference. Yes. You know, now I need way more than that. You know, my goal is 10,000 or more. I'm not anywhere close to that. But I always, I always say, okay, no, I'm not where I want to be. But, but let's take a look back just for a quick moment. I don't like to look there too long, but for a quick moment, yeah, you've come away. Now, what are you going to do to keep pushing forward? You know, right. so, yeah, that's, so, you know, one of the things that you said you like to do on this show is help people who, who want to like become an author or whatever. It's so one of the things you have to do is, is start, start now, even before you have a book, start telling people I write, I'm an author. Right. You don't have to be published to be an author. Right. So I'm an author. I'm writing. I'm going to have this book. This is what it's going to be about. Would you like to be on my my beta reader? I'll give it to you early. And then all you have to do is be willing to give me a a real review. I don't mean a fake right. review. I don't mean just give me five stars. I mean, you tell me what you think of the book. You know, that's what you have to do. You just have to put yourself out there. I mean, how right. did I find yeah. you? How did I find you the first time? Well, I, I reached out to you. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, 
Yeah, I think that that I wrote to you. I saw yeah. maybe you had someone else that that I had seen or something, and in your podcast came up, and I said, and so I wrote to you. I didn't know who you were. I had no idea who you were. Hi, my name's Terry. This is who I am. This is what I've done. Here's a copy of my book. I want to be on your show. And then best three relationships started. Now we're like right. family. Yeah. <laughs> now you're coming for Thanksgiving. No, I'm just. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but I think that's part of it. And the other thing I tell people is, is don't give up. Cause right. I don't know with you, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look, but the number of times that I would write to a podcast host and hear nothing. So what did I do? I wrote Versus. them again. Right. And what did I do when I didn't hear from them the second time? I wrote to them the third time and the fourth, and as many times as it took until they either said, go away, we're not interested in you, at which point I took them at their word and left them alone, or they finally said, who is this chick? Why does she keep bothering me? Oh, yeah, I think we would like her on the show. At some point, well, she's going to be on my show now. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one she'll stop writing me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I think what happens is, is, is I know this just from me being busy and doing doing life, someone writes to me, and if I have other things that have also come in at the same time, I think I'll get to that. Definitely. And then more stuff comes in and more stuff comes in and I don't get to it. And it's not that I didn't want <coughs> to, it just didn't happen. Well, there are people that are a lot busier than me. And they get a lot of emails. If you're a podcast host, you get a lot of emails. People saying oh, that they wow. want to be on your show. You're trying to figure out, are they going to be a match? Will this really work for me? Is it any good? Yada, yada, yada. If you don't know anything about them, they kind of go to the bottom of your list unless they've said something that really sparks. Right. But if you hear from them again and again and again, now the name at least rings a bell and you think, I've heard of her. If nothing else, it's somewhere. because, yeah, it's, it's nothing else. It's because I've been in your e email inbox, you know, 16 times, but you now know who I am. So <laughs> it just stays there now. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, we got to do something. So what is this? David is saying a, she should come on. Onto his show, the home front sit rep. He's one of my, another veteran who has a great show, home front sit rep. And he's listening tonight and he's invited you to his show. I'll send Fantastic. you his email right after this. Fantastic. Absolutely, David. I'll be there. And make sure um, you load his email up too. He likes that. He likes that? Lots yes. of emails. I'll send him like two or three a day. That yes, would be yes, good. Good. Okay. Asking a lot of ask a lot of questions that he's already answered, but ask them again yes. just to, to verify. He probably likes Those that too, right? Yeah. He really yeah. enjoys it. I'll bet he's laughing bet. right now. So. Or, or, or like he, he gives me three, three, three answers, but I only read the first one. So I ask the other two again. No way. Right. Yeah. Would that be good? He'd probably like that too. Right. He, he said, yeah. yes, he's, he's saying yeah. yes in the chat right now. So. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so, so see that right now, you, like, we just connected you again. So this is awesome. Right. And, and his network went on his show. It'll be a, there's a bunch of other hosts that are on there. And they'll probably reach out to you as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the, to me, this is, it's about networking and it's about when people ask me, like, what's your favorite part about being an author? And everyone expects me to talk about some, some part of the writing and, and don't get me wrong. I love to write. 
I love getting the stories out of my head, mostly so that they're out of my head because it's really crowded in there and I get all this stuff going on and it, and it feels good to get the story like out. But the part that I have learned that I love the most are, is meeting other people, meeting other authors, meeting readers, meeting podcast hosts, meeting just people who are interested in what I'm doing and, and finding connections. And to me, that's been the biggest joy of this entire journey. When you were talking about answering in the first question, but just regard the other two, uh, our yeah. resident redneck, he jumped in and said you would fit right in with our actual work company. <laughs> every, every time we send an email. So what's the answer to this one? Uh, look above. Yeah. Look above. Yeah. The one look you just above. Look above. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the number of times that I've learned which people that I can I have to like send three emails, one question per email, because if I ask three, they only answer the first question and they never answer the other two. And then I end up having to send another email anyway. So I write an email and in the subject line is the question. And then I right. ask the question and then I send another email, which has the next question in the subject line. And then I ask that question and then <laughs> Because there's something about people. They have a real hard time with the whole, you know, it's like, like, follow the steps. One, two, and three. Can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, David just wrote in there, he said, marine it down. So instead of dumb, instead of dumb it down, marine it down. So, oh, you better be careful. My husband's a former Marine. He isn't going to like that. <laughs> so is he. So is David. Oh, is he? So, okay. Yes. All righty. All righty. <laughs> I just I wrote back to them crayons for all. So that's good. Crayons for all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make so it make Terry, it where's simple. the best place where's the best place for other people to get in contact with you other than in my chat to get you on their show and right. maybe learn right. more from the the easiest place would be my website. So it's my name, Terry M. Brown. That's Terry with one R. Um, when you go there you can I have a, a chat page. So like a contact page, so you can reach me that way. I have a newsletter that you can sign up for. And then I have all those nice little little uh, social media buttons so that you can just push. So if you're an Instagram fan, I'm there and you can find me. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. I'm on it. I don't know what I'm doing on most of them, but I'm there. So, you know, you can find me if nothing else. <laughs> Definitely, but that's where your your kids and grandkids come in with the exactly, the, the exactly. When 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 my daughter heard that I was on TikTok, she just went, "Mom!" Whoa. And it was like, "No, no, 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 no! I'm not like doing the challenges and stuff. I'm putting book stuff out there. It's really very tame." <laughs> There's a lot of other things you could do on TikTok. Yeah, it's like, trust me, I'm not, no, no, I, you know, I'm not doing that thing where they're like bending and their legs are coming over their head. It's just not, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Terry, this has been great catching up with you tonight. Uh, I can't Thank wait you. to see the success of this book. And I know I'm going to hear from you throughout the year, but definitely in October, I'll hear from you from either about menopause or that one on the shelf to another dream, another book that's going to be awesome. You never know. I could have two by then. I mean, you just <laughs> don't know what might go on with me. <laughs> you said you got to get out of your head. So there might be two yeah. rattling in there right now. You might two be rattling. They're, they're always rattling around. <laughs> <laughs> You'll give us a twofer and everyone will be all shocked. So it'd be great. Yep. Yeah. All right.
Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Did you serve in the military? If so, you can obtain a free lifetime pass to more than 2,000 federal recreation sites. These sites are located across more than 400 million acres of public lands, including national parks, wildlife refuges, and forests. The lands host activities to fit any lifestyle, hiking, biking, fishing, camping, and much more. Gold Star families are also eligible for these free lifetime passes. Plus, they cover entrance fees for a driver and all passengers in a car, or up to three additional adults at sites that charge per person. Obtaining one is easy. Just go to the National Park Service website, nps.gov, or the National Park Service app. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation. Misfit Nation.